0: Welcome to another episode of Failing Forward. I'm your host, Steve Hofsetter, And if you enjoy the podcast, please like, comment, share, subscribe, review. Do all the things that you do on art that you enjoy and want to make sure other people enjoy. And speaking of people I enjoy, uh, joined here by Nicholas Anthony, who I, I always call you Nick. Is that – because you go I, by both, right?
1: I think it's like a – you know, like if people know – Robert De Niro they don't call him
0: Robert right they call him Bob because that's what his friends call him some people it depends like if anyone calls me Steven I'm like who the hell are you
1: yeah for me it was anyone who knows me calls me Nick you Mm -hmm. know like that's just my name Uh, but it was just like when I was younger I was an act when I was a kid and so I had to decide on a name and I was trying to be fancy and my real last name is Inpronounceable, so I just went with Nicholas Anthony, thinking it sounded like a name. Yeah. But now in this era, it's like Galifianakis is a thing, and it's like it's changed where people kind of like stay to their, you know.
0: Well, there's still stage names, but like I told my father when I first started stand-up, my joke with him was that I'm going to teach the world how to spell Hofstetter. There you go. But looking back yeah. at it, part of me is like, ugh, wouldn't it be nice if I had a name that? Just appeared on signs correctly. Stevie Hoff. Just no, the, the Hoff. the amount of time <laughs> but then it'd be one F or two is the amount yeah, of times yeah, 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 yeah. I have arrived at a venue and I've just been like, Can you can you change the marquee, please? Yeah. Can you just hey, you know that chalkboard that's easily wipe offable? Could yeah, you yeah. could you just do that to the extra F if yeah. you could do that?
1: Yeah. I mean, but at Vorderbruggen, that's my yeah. real <laughs> name. Like that thing is just like it's yeah.
0: it's just I know you and I can't spell <laughs> that. <laughs> I, I,
1: yeah, it's just stupid. It's I, I mean, my my friend Prashant, his last I, – I don't even – he goes by Venkat because that's the beginning of his yeah. name. I don't even actually know his full name, and we've done, like, five projects together. I know who you're talking <laughs> about, <laughs>
0: and I have no idea what – I've seen it in print, <laughs> and I just, like – And I feel bad
1: because I know this guy very well, and I, like, I don't even know his full name. You know, like, I genuinely – it's just, yeah, it's a bummer. It just holds, he just holds space in my brain. Like, even like uh, Habib, the the MMA fight. Nurbiga Medov, I don't know anything it? about MMA, yeah, yeah, yeah. so, it's yeah. Like, I know who we're talking about. I can, and I still don't know the Greek freak's last name, you know?
0: The, uh, oh, uh. The basketball player, yeah. yeah and the could Katab- yeah, I can't. <laughs>
1: Nanakukup, I don't, yeah. <laughs> I love basketball, I love him, but I still like, and it, it's, I mean, I've been watching him for years, and I still, it's sitting in there yeah, somewhere.
0: Yeah, G- isn't G- Nup? something like that I don't, yeah. and and Tenkenko t- I'm just saying <laughs> syllables now so, But everyone knows what you're talking about right, isn't I that exactly a, a who you beautiful man? thing about language yeah. <laughs> So okay um so uh, I met you as a comedian mm-hmm. um but you <laughs> I, yeah. well you that's have a funny thing to be like. I am a comedian and no, I'm meeting you as No no that. I'm <laughs> saying no I not I was a comedian yeah. you were a comedian Yeah, we mean we were comedic, both comedians yeah, yeah. Um we were paired on a show purposefully Mm, yeah. um, Tom Sobel, who yep. uh, used to own the former comedy caravan Correct. in Louisville, a club that I ran at one point, um, he decided we should meet each other. Yeah, And so he booked you as a feature on a weekend that I was headlining.
1: Yeah, this was in Louisville. I was living there for like – I lived there for 13 months. And yeah, I basically st- – uh, Tom was so generous to me – I basically got to move into a scene and feel like I was like already a local established guy. Yeah. And so he was giving me all these spots, and I met. I mean, I, that's where I met Grant Lyon, who I yeah. produced the barbershop shows with. It's where I met I, so many people. Ronan, you
0: know. Ronan, yeah. You know, Ronan he Hertzberg, who just did yeah. just did uh, Corden for yeah, the first time. Yeah. He just stayed. He was staying
1: at my house to do this comedy festival. This was four weeks ago, and he found out while he was sleeping on my couch, and then. I had to go on the road. He, he was like, oh, well, I don't know what I'm gonna do. I'm just like, stay at my place. He was able to, and he taped it all while I was gone. So I came, yeah. I'm just coming back yesterday. I'm like so proud. Of, I mean, this is a guy who was like a you know, young comic when I was already like, you know, starting to headline shows. Yeah.
0: So it's it's amazing. And so, we met there and, you know, got along well and one of the things that I was intrigued about you was that you had a life before comedy mm-hmm. where you were a, successful close-up magician. hmm hmm How- And, and l- I did- Like, very successful, right?
1: Uh, to the point of, like, winning, you know, first place at a bunch of award, you know, like big Oh, just, just the first place successful. Uh, but just not, Just literally like,
0: the best yeah. in the competition.
1: <laughs> the best. Not, I mean- Was it, there a zeroth place? It, it, it's, first it's like, is first. It's like saying, you know, there's, there's levels, right? There's levels sure. it. So it's like saying, like, somebody who played professional baseball for a season- is different than, you know, your friend who played for 13 seasons. Right. You know, and and it's also different era, like, oh, I played during this time, or this money, and what, you know. Right, but you were
0: a teenage. Correct, yeah. As a teenager, Mm -hmm. which means you had a ton of potential. Yeah, because as a teenager, you won what a it was. If I recall, it was like a close-up magic competition in Vegas. I won a bunch.
1: Yeah, I won a, a. There was, I mean, it was years of comp- competing. And so yeah. numerous, numerous. My, 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 my mom still has like all these weird awards.
0: So that was here. the life you were headed toward.
1: Um, No.
0: It was just a thing you were doing?
1: It was. So when I was like 10, my mom gave me Toledo window box, uh, George Carlin's it was a cassette tape mm-hmm. and I remember listening to that and listening to Eddie Murphy raw and going like, man, I want to do that someday. Right. And I would, it wasn't even the jokes as much cause I would listen to it so much. I would just listen to the response and I wanted that response. Yeah. And so I didn't know how, you know, living in the middle of nowhere, Minnesota, like I didn't know how to get that cause I never thought like I'll never be that funny. You know, yeah. I, I just couldn't in my kid brain. I just couldn't. That's, that person has like how someone's good at drawing. They just must yeah. be good at getting that. I don't know how to do that. But like I can wrap my head around doing a card trick. And then I had an aunt who lived in Vegas and we went and saw Lance Burton and all these, you know, the, the magic shows. And she brought me to my first magic store and then I bought a book and then I was able to teach myself. And from there, at a very young age, there was a, a, a guy in my hometown in Elk River who would perform uh, at this place called the Sunshine Depot? It's very, to this day, in my story and when I go back, um, he was the magician there every Wednesday night. And so I would go in and he would teach me stuff. And then yeah. I
0: eventually took that job from him. And uh, I assume, like, after he willingly left, you didn't just be like, get out of here, old man. Just no, count no, on no, chest. No no, and... no, no, no. He was, he
1: became, he, Tim Gabrielson is a very successful Vegas. Uh, he became very successful himself much so, more successful in magic so than i was so he
0: was so he was basically you know this elk river minnesota magician he
1: was from he was from bram he's from the minneapolis area and yeah. he was like the it was a big deal like he, this was just his like regular wednesday gig that he'd go in you know do some close up magic he was like He's ten years older, so I would have been like twelve or thirteen. So he was like twenty-three or twenty-four. He had already been on television, but this was like his regular. But thing. so
0: this was—I just see it as, you know, in comedy terms, this was like the up-and-coming magician.
1: He, yeah, he was. In my head, he was a huge star, and you know, right. It was but a when big you can deal. look
0: at it from a third party now, you go, "Oh, that's like the local headliner." Yeah. Who at some point wants to move to the bigger city to correct. get bigger? Correct. Correct. And so then, and you were the adorable protege. Yeah. I it, was very young, 12, you know. Yeah. And yeah. he probably thought that that was super cute. Yeah. And he
1: also, because he, I think if anything, it helped because somebody gave him the gig. Right. So we were in this lineage and then I gave it to somebody as well. Yeah. And so that, that there's this very famous trick where we do, it's called card on ceiling, where you take the cards and you have somebody sign their name on it. And then you take the whole deck and you wrap a rubber band around it. And you take the whole deck and you throw it up. And their card with their signature sticks on the ceiling. To this day, there are hundreds of cards up there from when I was there, from when Tim was there, and when from the dude before him. And they just there. leave them up there. And they just – it's 20 feet up. You couldn't – you'd have to like – it would be really weird to get them down. Yeah, that's so cool. Yeah, and then you can see the errors of like how – because there was a time when cigarette smoke – made them really blanched. And right. then there's an era of like where Tim's are, they're just older and then mine are a little less. But now when I go back, I'm sure they're starting to get, yeah, you know, and the kid after me would do this, you know, it was like, it was like a thing. That's so cool. It's, it's really fun to like, I nostalgia has a tendency to make me a little depressed sometimes. Really? Yeah. I don't know what that is. I've read, I've tried to read about, uh, talk about that with people. And when I say that, I don't think I, I don't know why that is necessarily. I think it's because I had such an – just a iconic great childhood. I mean before the time I was five, my my mom married a guy who like was physically abusive with me like in a really intense way. And so that was really – that was a really bad time. But then my mom married my dad who adopted me when I was five. And from that time on, it was like classic suburb like – we were the last suburb before the country. So we got to have kind of both of those uh, experiences. And then it was same, you know, mom and dad figure through elementary school, same kids through middle school, same kids. And then in high school, uh, we had um, very tragically the highest suicide rate in the country. In In your town? In my town, just per capita. Yeah. And so as a collective, we went through a lot like Bonded us in a way like a lot of people talk how they talk about like their college friends. Like that's how I talk about my high school friends. Yeah. And it was very like and there was something and someday maybe I'll write about this, but there was something in the water like the three grades below us and the three grades above us. And maybe this is I've tried to be objective about this, but everyone I talk about, even the the, when I've talked to the teachers, they said there was something that bonded with that like six year group. Yeah, And it was a lot of like, to this day, some of the smartest, funniest, like th- they were just some of the most interesting people I've ever met all, all happened to be in that era and people that went on to do like really fascinating yeah. things, you know, like,
0: and I'm just one of, I'm just part of that, you know? Well, I want to talk about your fascinating things because you, so you end up being a successful child magician. Yeah, Which I is was not a, a sentence I've ever said to <laughs>
1: <laughs> I had I mean just to not be hyperbolic like I had an agent. Yeah. and I was being paid regularly to do, you know like a uh, pretty good amount of money and yeah. like yeah, it was could have to me the way I expressed it is I could have that agency is still there and they um uh they still book a lot of great acts
0: and they make a lot of
1: money but it's it's uh
0: in you know, it's regional. It's Yeah, but what makes you in that life already, mm-hmm. having success in that life, what makes you hit the reset button? What makes you go and I know that you know, you listen to Carly and you listen to Eddie Murphy, but like what makes you go, you know what I wanna do? I wanna start from scratch and I want to work my way up in one of the longest slog professions there is. You've be saying with we'll stand up. Yeah. And we'll talk about your next reset button yeah. afterward.
1: Yeah, the the thing for me was, yeah, I've cashed in some B plus lives for the for the idea of saying that that wasn't going to be it. Like if I if I would have stayed in that life, I would own a house, I would have a boat, I would probably have you know a very nice calm life where I did my hundred to hundred and fifty corporate shows a year and you know it would have been a nice middling life where i could have seen my parents more than i do and it it would have been good but it wouldn't have for me the way my brain worked creatively with magic specifically i couldn't create magic at a at a clip that was enough to satisfy and or express my experience
0: so you you saw that and you go this isn't enough for me just there was something
1: creativity, you know. Like I, this is also like, and this is a weird thing, and this is slightly dates me. But this is all happening like before YouTube even. Yeah. So <clears throat> it doesn't a,
0: date you. YouTube's only you know like fifteen years old.
1: But that's but even that little niche of going like doing magic, like doing something that like I have to imagine now when <coughs> someone's doing walk around, like if they're going table to table, you know, people are so informed, they've seen so much, they could Google they could literally just be like what did you do and then they could just google it and be like no this is how and they could like really rub it in your face yeah and just show you exactly <laughs> yeah cuz if so, you're
0: doing if, yeah unless yeah. unless you're doing like you got to create you know, your own stuff now yeah unless yeah. you're doing like david blaine stuff where it's just endurance it's not i don't call that magic i call that he he like, like combines geeks like circus
1: geek with with Matt. i mean
0: he's very very good Straight up sleight of hand, you know. Yeah, uh, he's
1: he's a very talented magician. Yeah, but magician. the stuff he's known for. Yeah, he's now learning how to like swallow. He has this thing where he creates a um, an aquarium within his stomach where he can like recall. Like if he swallows three things, he can. You could say, "Oh, I want you to bring up this thing," and he knows how to. Blah, blah, blah. Like that's not magic necessarily. It's more of like a. Yeah, it's a trick. A weird it, yeah. body control. Yeah, but yeah. then he takes that and then he combines magic with it. And it then creates this thing that's like, God, that's really cool. Like, it's yeah.
0: that's how he chose to make it creative. Yeah. So, okay, so you start out doing stand-up. Yeah. And I wanna... Because of Acme. Because in of Acme in Minneapolis. Yeah.
1: it's which is an amazing club. And that's where, you know, I saw Louis C.K. and Mitch Hedberg. And, you know, like, this was a time when it was fought. I mean, um, David Tell and... Um, uh, trying to think of all the um there's just so many people came out of like at that time they were still just doing clubs and yeah. so that was one of those clubs that like helped a lot of those people um just develop i think yeah mitch recorded his second album there mitch altogether yeah. got recorded there i think that's that i could be wrong
0: i believe that. one of his albums was in minnesota
1: yeah but he was from minnesota yeah but he didn't start comedy until he was either Seattle or Florida, I'm not sure which, but um, when he died, his funeral was
0: in Woodbury,
1: and I I went to his funeral.
0: So, okay, so you got your start in comedy. I wanna gloss over comedy, though. Yeah. Partially because I know a lot about comedy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so do my viewers. Yeah. But what I wanna talk to you about is, you get this career in comedy, you're doing well, you're headlining around the country, and then you hit the reset button a second time, and that's what I'm fascinated by. And I want to talk to you about it after the break. Support the people who support us. Welcome back to Felling Forward. I'm joined here by Nicholas Anthony, um, former magician.
1: <laughs> can we? Can I scrub that? Can no, that? Can that be redacted no. on my no. <laughs> my documents? Uh,
0: current comedian, but also. <laughs> Uh, Emmy Award Winning Writer, is that correct? Uh, I didn't. I, Emmy nominated?
1: I, we wrote, a. I wrote on a show that won an Emmy. And, okay. And the writing was nominated, but I was not so nominated. So you didn't get the Emmy, but you no. wrote for an I, Emmy yeah. winning I didn't, show? And I wasn't, I personally was
0: not nominated, but I was okay. a part of a show that got nominated. Yeah. Okay, so you wrote for a show yeah. that was nominated for an Emmy. Correct. Yeah. Which is, I mean, most people haven't written for a show, let alone correct. an yeah. Emmy Award Winning Show. So... I remember at the time when you were like, hey, I want to do screenwriting and I want to write for TV. And then all of a sudden you were like in, you enrolled in a program for it. Mm-hmm. You Was it UCLA? Mm-hmm. A lot of people, especially comedians, are just like, I want to write for TV. So I'm going to write a thing. Yeah. But what you did that I want to talk to you about is you came off the road basically yep. and were like, I'm going to actually learn how to do this the right way, which is not a thing that a lot of people do. Yeah, I wonder if that's a reflection of, you know, what you learned when you were learning to do magic as a kid or, like... I mean, part of it is not, you know, like, we
1: all try things not knowing how good you are at them. And and stand-up was something for me that, like, I never thought I would do. And then when I was doing it, I found myself, like, finding success where others weren't – I mean, not that I was even necessarily better or worse than comics, but I was figuring out the business side of it enough to go mm-hmm. like, oh, now I'm making a living doing this. Right. And, and and a lot of people, you know, other comedians were resentful of that. You know, like, hey, I figured out how to – Get booked at this club, and I just was, you know. And then the idea of like, you know, it, it didn't, it wasn't like the agency of saying, like Oh, cool. It came out of not being satisfied with my stand up career. Yeah. It came out of like, you know, we all try, you tried stand up, you didn't know if you're going to be good at it or bad, or if you're going to be able to do it. Like, I've tried a lot of things in my life. I've tried you know, yoga and all the, some things I'm better at, some things I'm not.
0: And So, but you put how many years into stand-up before you started writing?
1: Well, that's the thing, though. I got a degree in screenwriting when I was, before I started, like, before I started doing stand-up, I was going to college to have, I had a degree in screenwriting in yeah, Minneapolis. Yeah, but,
0: but then you spent almost a decade or over a decade? How long was it?
1: Um, Doing comedy? yeah. I mean, during that, so there was some congruent things happening. I uh, shot a a short World War One film that ended up winning some film festivals and like got me, you know, like got legitimate. Like someone gave us a bunch of money to make a movie. Yeah. And what's crazy about seeing 1917 now? It's like, all right, that's that's what that's the you know taking that. We did this World War. I built a trench in my parents' backyard, and it's a 20-minute short film called The Nihilist. But it's we did that when I was you know, on the road and I'd come back yeah. and then we finally shot this thing. So it was always in there and it was just like, I don't know how to, you know, just like with comedy I was like, I don't know how to get laughs, but then I found Acme and there was an open mic and it just like, burr, yeah. burr, 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 burr. and then with, with screenwriting it was still like, I didn't know anybody. I didn't have any connection into the business. I didn't, I mean, I found one guy to give me some money to make a movie. Um, but then when i saw that writing program at UCLA it just attracted me to it and that's when i started being around professional television writers well and the, really learned how to write television
0: what interests me about it is a lot of times people follow their dreams and their dreams are wrong yeah and it turns out it's the rock is my favorite example the rock was a football player yeah he played it was an injury that kind of kept him from going pro yeah but he played I mean he spent his whole life probably 15 years from the time he was a kid to the time he went to college and or or finished college being a football player mm-hmm. that was what his life was going to be yeah one of the most difficult things to be yeah and his career as this megastar actor that's his third career yeah
1: Yeah, it's kind of I mean, and I'm in this weird place because when I was younger, I definitely was reading like Thoreau and and Emerson and the whole idea of like the choices you make determine the quality of your life. Yeah. And when I was my you know, my mom was a big person. She almost has such a gut feeling on things that I think that she thinks that she could be like a psychic, like genuine. Yeah. Like her intuition is so strong and she's followed it. So, you know, um,
0: it's, it's uh, indigestion It's is the yeah. word you're looking for. Yeah, you know, exactly. The,
1: it's just this thing that like it was beat into me like, all right, you can decide the quality of your life. And then the more I've gotten into life, I've had tremendous setbacks with relationships with women, with, you know, um, writing, spending two years on a script that never got made or all these different false starts that yeah. I'm like, I put all this agency into things and th- n- never went anywhere. And-
0: I I still think that the script you sent me, the pilot um, about the the town with the um, where the asylum gets shut down. Yeah, was one <laughs> I think of, about that. All the I time. love that. It was so good. <laughs> yeah. It was so like I. That was one of the things where, and I've read yeah. a lot of stuff, and especially like you know friends send you stuff and you're like, all right, well let's see how this yeah. goes. And like that was one where, I, like, I think about that a decent amount. Where I'm just like, oh, that should be a TV show. Like, I think about it all a the good, time. It's such yeah. a good idea for a show. Yeah. But the the thing that you kind of glossed over almost there is the deciding the quality of your life. I want to talk about that for a second because that's something that I talked to my ex about, and it's kind of why we move we moved to LA. Yeah. And the idea of I was like, okay. What do I want to do on a day-to-day basis? What What do I like doing? I like waking up. I like having breakfast outdoors. And I like playing with my dogs. How do I do that? And then I go, okay, well, living in L.A. is a start. Yeah, you can't do
1: that in New York. Yeah, you can't really do that in New York. Yeah, sometimes of the year.
0: Yeah, but not really. Yeah. Because, you know, if you have breakfast outdoors, it'll cost you $25. You know, and there's not much room for your dogs. Yeah. And... And New York has done this wonderful thing where they're like, what if we take all the parks out except for Central Park and replace them with markets? Yeah. It's like, no. Um, So I was like, okay, well, California is probably the choice. And then I go, okay, well, how do I afford to live in California as a road comic? And then I just started working backwards from what I wanted. And so many people, I think it's a mistake to work forwards. So many people go, okay, well, I'm going to do this, which will lead me to this, which will lead me to that. And it's like, no, no, no. Show your work. Figure out what you want on a day-to-day basis because I'm not talking about the goal. I'm not talking about going, well, I want an Emmy. That's not what I mean. I mean going on a day-to-day basis, what would make me happy? If What would my life be like that would make me happy? Because if I could do that while I'm striving toward the goal, yeah. then the goal doesn't matter anymore. Well, but you're also bringing up like all right, the the potency
1: of our brains' ability to tell stories and to buy into stories and what actually matters and yeah, like I mean stories in terms of like I've been saying this a lot lately, but America is a story. Okay, you know, and I've traveled enough out of here to be able to see that it is just a story that yeah. a collective group of people all tell each other about this place and, but they don't think about that story and. Cambodia that they don't it's I mean they they know about you know it's part, but it's not part of their story yeah and so it's like you, we can decide to like get out of that the idea of Hollywood is a story the idea of specifically the Oscars is a story and if you connect that story into your story thinking like all right this is what's going to make me happy I completely agree with you you're gonna you know I, as much I'm not you know crazy famous or rich or anything like you know like I've had this amazing life that I've created for myself and when I stop defining it externally, when I just start focusing on like, all right, this is the effort I've put in and this is what I can control. I'm incredibly excited about what I've done with my life. Yeah. And yet the the, the things that I want to do aren't necessarily like win an Oscar, but it's more of like, you know, just being able to like finish do, doing the things that I can control. And... Other than that, it's like, I don't know what else to
0: do. Well, it's, you know, and I think Create Your Own Life would be a fine name for this episode because yeah. I think that is what it is about. And it's whatever it is that makes someone happy. You know, I have a friend who decided that she wanted to move to Hawaii. And she figured out, like, okay, she, you know, had worked in the F&B industry for a while and, you know, and she knows how to manage a bar and and manage a bar very well. And so she figured, okay, <clears throat> if she goes and manages bars in Hawaii, then she can wake up every day yeah. and sit on her porch and look at the gorgeousness of it and, you know, and cuddle with her dog and like all these other things that come with it if she does this aspect yeah. and what is it that you really want? Because so many people, you know, a lot of people a lot of the guests on this podcast are in entertainment whether it is comedians or actors or or producers or, you know, people on the other side. And a lot of people look at that and they go, oh, I want to be famous. For me, it was why? about...
1: I wanted to compete. I, I, it, it, like, when you hear LeBron James talking about, like, he was up for the challenge of something. Yeah. Like that's, that is that desire to compete against the best was in me. That's why I didn't want to stay in the region. I mean, if there was, you know, I mean... Los Angeles and New York for for what it is that you know writing and 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 comedy that that's like the best that's where you're going to run into the best like outside of I can't name a comedian that hasn't like a, who is arguably a top twenty comedian who hasn't gone through New York City
0: with the exception I mean Chad Daniels speaking of Minnesota
1: yeah but but but, he's, but and I agree as a comedian he is my one of my top favorites but he won't
0: be on anybody. I'm, right, but you know, Chad, yeah, Chad is someone who, if he spent a lot of time in New York or LA, he would be a household name.
1: That's my, I guess that's kind of my point. Yeah, is like he <laughs> would have went in, you know. And Chad's got an amazing life, and he's done it exactly
0: the way he's wanted to do it. Right,
1: but I, to get to those and maybe, yeah, maybe if,
0: it, it is true though. If you want to look, you know, if you want to work in beer, you probably at some point. You know, need to be around where they make it. <laughs> right. you know? or, or, yeah. Right. It's like, live in Milwaukee. Yeah. You know, If you want to work in steel, live in yeah. Pittsburgh. If you want to work in and fishing, are, live in Florida. There like are exceptions to
1: all those rules and all that stuff. Just for me, it was like I wanted to compete at the highest level. And I was – and I'm sure you realize this too when you're like I'm on the road. I'm successful. And then you'd go in and you'd – all right. Why are these people getting on – television and but when they come on the road they're terrible and then yeah you start to realize like oh it's different muscles and then you start like oh there's road there's that stuff that works there but that's not gonna work here and then I had to learn how to become a comic that could perform in front of other comedians and
0: it really is. If you are, I mean, if you are just working on, you know, on your biceps, your legs might be skinny. Absolutely, <laughs> like, absolutely. That's, if you can that's do an hour, is. but you
1: don't know who you are in five minutes. Yeah. Like that's the difference between the road and being a, a city
0: comic. Oh, right now, my act is a long form thing because I basically have turned my act into a one man show instead of a series of bits. Mm-hmm. And so I don't have really the five minute showcase set right now. Yeah. And I'm not saying I can't do it anymore, yeah. but it's something that, like, it's not a muscle I'm working on because it's not a muscle I care about right now.
1: Yeah, and for me specifically, that is something that I, in these last shows, I bought one of these cameras just to, yeah. just to focus on, all right, who am I in five minutes? Yeah. Like, what is the stuff that makes me unique and what are the jokes that most, and how do I get the biggest laugh? And, and if I don't
0: have it yet, what? how can I write into that more? And, Absolutely. You know, like, so, but, yeah. But the idea of, and you know, and then you went from someone who, yeah, you studied screenwriting in college. It's the it's
1: the it, for me. I always come back to the the Venn diagram of what are you good at, mm-hmm. what do you actually like, and then what do you have an opportunity to do? Oh, that's great because you can be good at something that you don't like. There's professional football players that are you know constantly like you can tell they just don't give a shit.
0: Oh, Arian Foster. That, Had, like yeah. we've talked about it a lot about the idea that he doesn't like when people say introduce him as oh yeah he used to play football he's like no I'm I'm a musician and I have a podcast like that's what I do that's I mean I was a
1: you know international award winning
0: yeah I mean I was teasing you
1: yeah but I'm just saying that idea of like if you were a, a concert pianist and then you were just like I don't do it anymore like I see the the like irony in that I see the like oh that's that's an unusual thing and, you know, people like to be able to move forward and certain things are so sticky you can't – like football players, especially if you're trying to be a musician or if you're trying to be yeah. artistic. Well, that and
0: especially happens. if you were one of the best running backs of a generation. It's also crazy. Like that's so – yeah. You, you take that. He's good at it.
1: He got an opportunity to do it, but he didn't like it. Right. So it didn't meet the criteria. And I think with stand-up, it was – for me, it was like – I, I was changing as an adult, like I was becoming an adult. Yeah. And so I was like growing up while I was doing comedy I was like, Oh, I love this. Cause it was just party and I'm realizing I'm, I'm good enough at it to like get paid to do it. And then I was giving myself the opportunity. And so it was kind of all coming together. I don't even know now can a feature make a living like, like,
0: it's very I, difficult. I was
1: able to sell a little bit of merch here and there, and like, yeah. I was
0: able to pull it off. I try to tell comics who are not headlining, if you don't have merch, you're crazy. Yeah. Because you're going to yeah. make more on your merch than you're going to make on the gig. Like, you need to pay rent somehow. Yeah. And, you know, and yeah, obviously, you know, there are headliners who won't let you sell, and those guys are pricks, but...
1: Those guys are pricks. The,
0: I, I pitch my Openers merch from stage all the time. Yeah. I, what I like to do is I make fun of it a lot, Yeah, and then that makes people buy it absolutely but anyway so okay so the you've got the three circles yeah of...
1: And with with stand-up it was i felt like as i you know it was like how many times can i go back to the same club and headline right you know like the i mean now it's like it's shifted so like if i wanted to go back and do the same club i have to figure out who's booking it. And dah, 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 dah. right but i was just like I, there's diminishing returns like i'm not i'm not doing anything by going back You know, it was like when Cliff owned Appleton, I kept going back there and it was like, awesome, had these amazing experiences, so cool, and I developed an act out of it. But it was also an act that didn't really translate in New York or LA. It was a very road act. And- Can I
0: add three circles to this though? So- (laughs) You have three circles. I see you have three circles. I have three circles as well. I had you three. Well, no, because my father always told me that what makes a good job, there are three aspects. And I think it's interesting that you have three as well. Yeah. So the three aspects he always told me were, you have to like what you do, uh, how much you get paid to do it, and who you do it with. Because you have to be able to afford a living. Yeah. In a way, that's the opportunity circle. Yeah. Um, and you have to enjoy who you do it with, whether that is enjoying being by yourself yeah. on a solitary job, yeah. or whether that is enjoying your coworkers. And if you have two of the three, you can handle a job. If you only have one of the 3, it's going to drain you. If you have yeah. 2 of the 3, you can handle it and that can become golden handcuffs. If you have all 3, that's when you know you have the right job. Yeah. And so couple that with
1: Well, yeah, if you added that for cuz essentially what you're adding is just you're bringing in the element of the environment, you know, humans being that environment. Yeah. And in that respect, and this is, you know, I I've never felt I I don't want to say this to be, like, cruel. I'm just trying to say this to express my experience. I've yeah. never felt broken the same way most comedians feel broken.
0: I have... It's not cruel. I say that all the time. The idea that, like... I, I divide comedians into two categories. The people who look at comedy and go, this is fun and I enjoy doing this. Yeah. And the people who have demons that they need to express. Yeah. And I will never, ever truly bond with any of the demon people. Yeah. I don't, I mean, I don't get them.
1: Yeah, th- there's those stories get romanticized more because yeah. they're dramatic and it's the uh, the torn, you know, and, and don't get me wrong, I have my anxiety and depression things that I've dealt with and stuff like that, but it's not like when I'm at my worst, that's when I'm right. It's like, no, it was, it's when I've, you know, worked out and have eaten right and everything's good and I'm balanced is when I can actually get work done. Yeah, there, absolutely. There's no... The, I, I'm like, like I, I treat myself like an athlete more than a like. Ah, I just got to, you know, like somebody who's like doing heroin or drinking too much, and then that's where the pain of it. It's like,
0: I, I just think I'm too sensitive. I to go would never want to be Hunter S. Thompson, and I don't yeah. understand those that do.
1: Yeah, I don't. I, I yeah. I, but what I've also learned is by with all the podcasts and all of the information,
0: there's a million ways
1: to do. Like, you don't have to feel like I used to feel bad because I wasn't a morning person yeah and it's like oh then you just there's other people that are like no 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 everything got happened after 10 o'clock and all right cool now i don't feel like the guilt of like "Ah, i just can't get going for a while yeah and so um you know and for it was just that idea of like being around comedians for me certain comedians a comedian you know is great but the high school of comedy is Awful. <laughs> I will. I I will say it a thousand like, they times. Just eat their own.
0: My favorite people in the world are comedians. Yeah. And my least favorite people in the world also happen to be comedians. Yeah. It just depends on which comic. Yeah. And it is something where I have now career wise I've built an island, and I get to decide who's on my island. Yeah. And I love it. Yeah. But in the process of building that island, boy, that swim sucked.
1: Yeah. And and. um I feel bad, you know, because I, I produce a show that's I'm in the thick of it. Yeah. I'm around it all a the time. A wonderful show, by the way. Yeah. I, you've done it multiple times. And um, it's it's nice to have that to, mm-hmm. to be able to put my toe back into that. And to, but it's also really nice to know when I come in and I'm, you know, I just, you know, got, this last year I got to go to Bali and Italy and. Yeah. And I'm writing a novel and I'm. I have a family that like is a huge part of my life and yeah. you know, we're very intricate in, you know, uh, in how I spend my day to day even. And I just don't see that level of like, I don't want to, I was in the cult of stand up comedy for so long yeah. that if I wasn't on stage five times a week, you know, 55 52 weeks a year then it was like I wasn't even doing it right and it was the ability to take some breaks and then still come back and still be funny and yeah I'm not writing as much new material but what look at all the other stuff I got to do
0: oh I so this week so I just got back and this week I literally have no shows yeah I'm home I have no shows I've not reached out to a club to get a show I have no shows and part of me goes, oh, no, I have no shows. And the part of me goes, you just did seven shows in four days. Shut up. Yeah. And just
1: go enjoy yourself. Yeah, in the last three weeks, I've done 26 shows. Right. And then it's <laughs> like, enough to yeah. – right, it's enough and you and need I'm, – And I'm now at a place where I could take this whole month off. Right. Like, and I can focus on the novel. Right, and just and feel, I'm okay, yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, I'll still go do, like, the barbershop shows and I'll, like, hey, here's the new things I'm working on. Right. But, like, that – That, you know, like, I hate to say, like, and I don't know what I want to put into the world, but, like, certain clubs, and I won't say anything specifically, they're a bar that I wouldn't hang out at. Yeah. Like, I I like going to, there's certain types of bars where there's good energy and there's stuff like that. But a lot of comedy clubs, like, and even really great comedy and people, comedy clubs that people love, it's just not a bar that I personally would hang out with. And I don't want to feel bad if I'm not, you know, haunting the halls of that place because yeah I mean I'm trying to think of like just recently like I proposed to my girlfriend on a fucking gondola under the Rialto Bridge yeah like it's like that was I
0: didn't know you got engaged <laughs> yeah, yeah well I'm assuming she said yes <laughs> yeah, yeah Yeah. well yeah, congratulations yeah, thank
1: you very much yeah it was it, it was you know and what was cool about that is my parents happened to be in Rome at the same time people who never leave Minnesota yeah my parents are actually good travelers but they had like 20 family members with them and these are like They'd barely leave Minnesota. Now we surprise them in Rome. They didn't know we were even going to be in Italy, yeah. much less engaged. And we have a meal where it's 15 to some 20 people at one table eating pasta in Rome, having this
0: breaking like. And that that beats the hell out of begging for a spot at a club.
1: And then the question that I have to ask myself is like, am I still developing as a comic in the same way? And it's like, well, what's, you know, am I still showing up? Like, do you have to, you know, it, 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 and so I, I try to glean from other professions, like how um, people who you know, like MMA fighters, how they, you know, they'll train and train and but then like a couple days before they they pull back because if you train right. too much before the fight, then you're exhausted, you know. So trying to be right. really smart about like how do I get the most out of myself. So for me, why I kept switching all these professions was I wanted to compete at the highest levels. I also wanted to get the most out of my potential. Yeah. And so even now I just got done, you know, it's four seasons on a on a television show. I'm it's twofold. One, I'm trying to get my second job, which is proving to be as difficult as it was to get the first job. But in the meantime, I'm not just going like, ah, what am I gonna do? I went back to UCLA started an entire different program specifically for novel writing. Yeah. So I am now learning, which is I and mean, people may not realize how different they are, but I it is a completely different like I'm picking up an it's not even a new instrument. It's it's something else. Yeah. Like it's, it's a whole other thing.
0: Well I I could talk about this for a while. We have to wrap up. Yeah. But um Aside from the fact that, you know, forthcoming novel, um, let the people know where they can find out more about you. Uh,
1: Just NicholasAnthony.com. The the thing that – and Steve has been very generous in helping me promote the first couple episodes of this. uh, I wrote an original series called Unlikely Assassins, um, which is – I'm very – it's, if you want to know me, go check out Unlikely Assassins. And if you, if you haven't
0: seen the first couple of episodes yeah. on my YouTube channel, they're available there, and they're so damn good. Yeah,
1: he, he was very generous in letting me uh, post there. And uh, we're trying to um, – this year I'd like to finish that and put all that out and yeah. finish the novel. And um, it, it'll be interesting if I don't get like another big boy television writing job and I've finished the Unlikely Assassins thing and the, the novel – like I, then it's like, all right, what's that next opportunity? And yeah, I don't know. Um,
0: That's kind of the fun part, though.
1: Yeah, because if you saw every step into your into into your grave, it would be incredibly boring.
0: It would, be. yeah. So, all right. Thanks for watching. Tune in next week.